purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. Hey, it's Kevin, and I am delighted, elated to welcome you to this episode number 97 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Why am I so excited about this conversation today? Well, it's been over a year now that I've had Tracy Fenton, CEO, founder of World Blue, BLU, on my radar screen to meet. However, I decided to trust the timing of our meeting rather than working to make it happen. So how did I meet Tracy? Well, through a series of waves and ripples. It was the concept that I spent some time unpacking back in episode 95 or just two weeks ago if you're following along close to real time. So let me map out this wave. It'll only take a few seconds. It was about eight years ago when I first met Marcel Schwantes. Back then, I was doing the Servant Leadership Sessions podcast, brought Marcel and I together. We became friends. A couple of days before Christmas, December of last year, Marcel asked that I know Mike Vacanti. I didn't. He made the introduction. Mike and I met in early January of this year. Now, one of the amazing people I met through Mike, who has since become a dear friend, almost like a sister to me, is Kimberly Davis. Kimberly graciously connected me to Gary Turner. Gary lives in the UK. And since meeting in January, Gary and I have become fast friends. And Gary's also a podcaster and we're in communication regularly. Well, early April of this year, Gary contacted Miranda Ash and me in the same week and said, you two must connect this very week. You must connect in a conversation. So we did. While Miranda and Tracy are friends from college, Miranda's a colleague of Tracy, serves as the chief of community at World Blue, which is the organization that Tracy founded and serves as CEO of to this day. No sooner had my conversation with Miranda ended that she sent an email to Tracy and me introducing us and suggesting we connect in conversation. Tracy and I connected on a call just a week ago today, and during that call, the idea for this conversation popped, and here we are. So I want to thank everyone who is a part of the waves and ripples that brought us together. Like I said, Tracy is the founder of World Blue. She hosts the Freedom at Work podcast, and you're going to love this conversation. Hey, folks, it's such a delight to welcome Tracy Fenton to the Higher Purpose podcast. This is going to be awesome. Don't you agree, Tracy? Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Kevin. Thanks for having me. And how do I know this is going to be awesome? I think it was a week ago today or less than a week ago today, you and I connected the first time in a conversation And that conversation was awesome and amazing. We should have recorded it. We didn't. So we reconnected to record one now. I'm so excited. (laughs) It's going to be great. Yeah. That's some important stuff to talk about. Oh, I know it. I know it. But before the conversation train takes off, because once we get going, maybe we'll forget about gratitude. We'll come back. But I love grounding every conversation on the podcast in gratitude. So what's something that you're grateful for in this moment right now? I'll tell you, Kevin, what pops into my head, which is no surprise in light of what we're going to be talking about today is I am so grateful that I know my worth, 
and I know my purpose and I'm getting to live that each and every day. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's easy, but knowing those two things, my worth and my purpose is what I am extremely grateful for. Okay. And then I've got to unpack that and say, but it's the third thing that you added to that. That's the trifecta. It's (laughs) one thing to know your purpose and to know your worth, but you get to live it every day. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. That's what makes it special because most people, we don't know our worth. Mm -hmm. We don't know our purpose and we're not living it every day. And then you have those poor tortured souls who know their purpose yeah. Or know their worth, but they're still not living it. Right. And so to right. know those things and to be living them to me is to truly be in that sweet spot in life yeah. where you are being blessed and blessing others in yeah. the process. And that's really that sense of fulfillment that I think everyone is deeply searching for that sense of meaning and fulfillment kind of happens at that intersection point. Wow. Okay, folks, so you've been warned. This is going to be good. You can already (laughs) sense it, right? So, Tracy, I love thinking about coffee shops. So, if we were sitting in one of your favorite conversation spots in Boulder, where might we be sitting this sunny afternoon to have this conversation? Well, you're right. I do live currently in Boulder, Colorado. I have lived all over the country. And I'll tell you, here it is springtime. Woke up this morning to three inches of snow on the beautiful green trees. So, got a laugh out of that. But if we were in person together, Kevin, we would be at my favorite tea house, which is called the Duchambe Tea House in Boulder. And it's a very special place because it's a gift from our sister city in Duchambe, Tajikistan. And it's a traditional Tajikistan <laughs> tea house. And it has a fountain in the middle and just beautiful decorative ceiling and incredible tea selection and coffee and of course, delicious scones and food and all that yummy stuff. So we are there right now together, Kevin, having this conversation. (laughs) And we have guests joining us. And so Tracy, I'm wanting to introduce you to our friends that are joining us, but I'm afraid I'm going to butcher it. So I just go, hey, Tracy, what's your favorite way of introducing yourself and the amazing work you do in the organization you lead? Great. Well, I am the founder and CEO of a global leadership and culture transformation company called World Blue. And what we do at World Blue is we teach a model that we call freedom at work. And our goal, our vision rather, is to teach 1 billion people around the world how to live, lead, and work in freedom. And I started World Blue over 22 years ago. And over 20 years ago, yeah, I guess 22 to be precise. And we have had the great privilege of working with companies like Zappos and Groupon and Hulu and WD40 and Davida and HCL Technologies and companies all over the world and with top leaders all over the world. In fact, we've worked with companies in 80 countries and leaders in 65 countries worldwide. And it's just been an incredible, incredible journey. And we are here to serve and to help people live, lead, and work in freedom rather than fear. Wow. Wow. Okay. So uh, there are just so many parallels here. You know, what I sign off with every week on the podcast is just reminding people to live, love, and lead with purpose. So there you go. Live, love, and work in freedom. Oh, I love it. Yeah. We've got the similar sign off. I love it. (laughs) Well, and of course, as we teach people to live, lead, and work in freedom rather than fear, 
that comes from that deeper sense of love, right? The opposite of fear being love. And the outcome of all that is that sense of freedom. So yes, it is. We're aligned, Kevin. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And what I know, I just know there are so many things we could talk about. There's so many directions we can pursue. As a matter of fact, when we were talking about last week, I'd already invited you to two episodes of the podcast. So I believe there are several conversations you and I will share on podcast. But when we talked last week, I felt we kind of tapped into what the miners, you know, of the Colorado area in the day called a mother load. <laughs> you know, and a mother load is a zone of rich treasure or that principal vein of gold. And that's what I want to return to and do some mining of just those gems and those jewels that we began unpacking. So I want to ask because I believe this is one of the first times you're publicly really going deep on these insights. Is that right? Right. In a podcast format, what we're going to talk about around worth and purpose, because we talk about this with our clients, of course, one-on-one, but I'm so excited to share this with a much broader audience because it took me a long time to figure out this key piece of gold. (laughs) Well, thank you for that privilege. It is a privilege for me and for you listening. This is a privilege. You're hearing something here that no one else has heard on any podcast yet. That's what I love. So what I recall, and you just mentioned 22 years you've been on this, but I believe you said it was just a couple of years ago that you discovered something. And to stick with that mining metaphor we're using, it was a real gem and it's been a riching treasure for you. What is that? Well, what it is, is, oh gosh, you know, like you said, it's only been the last couple of years. We had been working with top companies and top leaders, helping transform their cultures for a long, 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 long time. And sometimes, I mean, most of the time it was very successful, but every once in a while you would be in a situation where you're working with a company and all of the individuals in the organization that you're working with are totally gung-ho and behind you and what you're teaching them about how to practice freedom at work and how to create a freedom-centered rather than fear-based culture. But there were just sometimes we'd hit this brick wall. And it was kind of like, why after all the training and all the work that we're doing, why aren't we seeing the needle move here? And as my team and I sat back and really took a deep look at this, what we realized was that the level of self-worth of particularly the CEO and top leaders was very important. And so (laughs) as we went deeper and deeper into this, there were a lot of things that came out. And so one of the things we started to see was that when you are about creating an environment of freedom rather than fear and control, you have to be leading, you have to feel comfortable in the way that you are as a person so that you can create an environment where everyone else can succeed. And in the companies where we were hitting a brick wall, the CEO often had low self-worth. They were not secure in who they are. So if you're coming in and saying, hey, we're going to empower people, we're going to help them use their voice, we're going to have them come forward with great ideas and really transform this culture, and you have a leader who isn't secure in who they are, my gosh, they're going to feel very threatened by that, right? Right. And that's where you see all of this dysfunctional behavior. But to lead into that insight where we're like, wow, when it comes to the work that we're doing, how do we really make sure that we've got the recipe for success? We have to go back a few steps earlier, which is, as I was sharing with you before, Kevin, 
this one particular day, I was out on a walk with one of my best friends who's known me since I was 14. We met at summer camp in Colorado and we were on a walk with our dogs. And, you know, I'm in my mid late thirties at this point in life. And we're on this walk and we're having a deep conversation like we always did. And all of a sudden my friend looked at me and she said, Tracy, you don't have those negative voices in your head like everyone else does, do you? And I looked at her and I said, what negative voices? She's like, you know, like those negative voices in your head that are always saying you're not good enough and you suck and you're horrible and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I look at her, I'm like, what are you talking about? I go, you have those voices in your head? (laughs) And she's like, Tracy, yeah, most people do. Most people have these negative, incessant, I call them gremlins now, gremlin voices running in their head, constantly telling them basically that they don't have worth and they're not enough, you know? And that was a bowl me over moment because I didn't have those voices in my head. And I'm not lying when I said, I don't, I don't have those voices in my head. And we can talk more about a little bit more on a deeper level about that in a moment, but that's what kind of got me going, wait a second. And when my dear friend kind of opened up my thought to this, I thought, oh my gosh, this is what people are dealing with day in and day out. And I realized how much that related to self-worth. And then shortly after that conversation, I went to a Tony Robbins event and in the middle of this event, I mean, there'd been a lot of tea up to this moment. I'd share this with you, Kevin, but this was like one of the best and worst moments of my life all at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm in Long Beach, California with, you know, 3000 other people. And I think this is day three of five or whatever it was. And Tony said to everyone, he goes, I want you to, we're going to turn the lights down. I want everyone to stand up off their chair. And for the next 10 minutes, I want you to shout at the top of your lungs, all of the negative things that you say to yourself. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh. So all I'd had was this one conversation with my friend who's like, no, Tracy, people think this way. And I'm like, okay, I'm still like not totally getting it. But I was like, okay, then I go to this event, lights go down and he goes, go. And I sat in my seat because I couldn't even bear it. And I listened to people say, the most horrible things they say to themselves out loud while tears just stream down my face because I thought, oh my gosh, this is what people are saying to themselves. This is awful, you know? And my heart just went out to these precious people all around me. But that was a real wake-up call for me, Kevin. That was a real wake-up moment. And then we started to see, bring this into our work and realize this correlation between self-worth and the way that we lead and self-worth and are we able to really build these freedom-centered workplace environments? So let me pause there because I know I said a lot, but I think you get the idea. (laughs) I was going to interrupt you if you didn't pause there. I do want to get into that correlation between self-worth and how we lead and live. But Tracy, I just have to, I mean, I have been so taken with your story since we connected last week and had this conversation. I actually shared it with a couple of really dear friends the other day, both women who work in this space. And they're like, no, no way. Really? Can anybody get a free pass and come through life without hearing those voices? Now, before you answer that, I want to go to the Tony Robbins. Did you see anybody else kind of sitting down, checking out in that moment? Or was no, there- it was really dark. No, no. And, you know, and I have kind of gone on this 
quest to be like, does anybody else think like I do? You know? (laughs) And I have met some people who do. Okay. But it's not very many. And no, I didn't see anybody else checking out either. And so, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So first off, I just love that you had that moment with your friend. And first off, that you had that realization that, wow, because I'm sure that stirred, knowing you the way I do, Tracy, I know that stirred a lot of compassion in you. Yeah, absolutely. 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 But how is it when you, all of a sudden you start realizing that, then maybe after the Tony Robbins event, you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is far more prevalent than I realized. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you've not had those voices in your head? And it's not yeah. just a voice, okay? I have friends that we understand there's a whole choir of voices at times, right? It's- right, right. And, you know, the thing is, it's not like there isn't, I want to make a distinction. It's not like I don't, it's hard to draw the line on this. I don't speak to myself negatively. You know, that's what I'm saying here. These are the girls. I don't have that. Doesn't mean you don't have a moment where you're not feeling sad. It doesn't mean I haven't had a moment where I'm sad, but I don't speak to myself ever in the way that those that I heard people saying at this event or whatever. And I think they're not, I think I know the reason for me as a spiritual one, Kevin. Okay. And it's my concept of God and my relationship with God. And for me, God is love. So I was raised in a spiritual path that taught that God is love. God is not a judgmental guy in the sky who's out to get you, but that God is the very definition of God is love. And so I have been taught and I believe that God is love and I am the idea of God. I'm the expression of love. So if you think about God is like the sun and we're like the sun ray. So if God is love, we are that ray of love. We are the very expression, the very idea, the very reflection of that love. So by definition, because I believe we are one with God, we are that expression of love. And what is self-worth? To me, self-worth is knowing our worth. It is knowing that we're loved. Self-worth is different from self-confidence or self-esteem. I've met plenty of people who have high self-confidence, but they do not love themselves. They do not have that sense of worth or esteem of oneself. I think self-worth and esteem can be pretty close. I prefer self-worth because it's really knowing our absolute incredible worth that is true about each and every one of us. And I know that because I believe each and every one of us is the very expression and emanation of that love. So when you know you are loved, that you come from the source that is love and is constantly loving you, you don't have to go out and get that love. You already are that love. You're the very expression of it. And that's a powerful thing. It's baked into who we are. So you can't lose it. And because I know that, and because I love God, you know, I listen. I mean, I just couldn't imagine Kevin saying to God, I hate you. You're horrible. You're not good enough. Right. You know, I would never say that because I love God. So why would I say that to God's very expression? Wow. You know? So, yeah. (laughs) This is so rich, so real. I love it. 
two thoughts. One, do you remember, did you actually hear things people were saying in that meeting? Yes. Yes. So I'm not going to ask you to repeat any of that. But here's the observation that I believe, I know I have seen, I know a lot of my friends would say this, that most of us, most of us that have had those struggles, Tracy, we say things to ourselves or about ourselves that we would never dare say to anyone else. Yeah, right. Are those the kind of things you heard? Absolutely. Absolutely. Horrible. Horrible. Just heart-wrenching. Yeah. There's so many of us. I mean, if someone were to say that to someone around us, we just stop. No, you can't talk like that. Absolutely. We're not putting up with it, but we say it to ourselves. So, wow. The other point that I want to make, you know, I wish I'd have grown up with that concept of God that you're talking about. I remember I was probably pushing 30 before I had that realization that, wow, God is love. I'd heard that, but I didn't really understand that. And that there is nothing that I can do that will make God love me more or cause him to love me less. That's right. It is unconditional. Yeah. And then that becomes a very liberating concept then, right? That Hmm. And then there's a book, I mentioned this to you last week, but I'll mention it here. It's by, uh, he's deceased now, but Brennan Manning, he was a defrocked Catholic priest, but he wrote this book, Abba's Child. Abba is an ancient word for father, you know, so Mm -hmm. father's child. My dignity as Abba's child is my most coherent sense of self. That's right. When I seek to fashion a self-image from the adulation of others and the inner voice whispers, you've arrived. There's no truth in that self-concept. And when I sink into despondency in the inner voice whispers, you are no good, you're a fraud, a hypocrite, and a dilettante, there is no truth in any image shaped from that message either. That's right. That's right. And so we have to learn what you said, Kevin, is absolutely right on. So we have to learn when you love God. So for example, when you were saying, I wouldn't, you know, so most people would never say to someone else, the things they say to themselves, although people do, sometimes people do. Right. But that's a very important point. And so now, since it's been in the last couple of years or so, I mean, I've been thinking about this for a long time, but we've really in the last two, three years, incorporated this into our work. And now in our Freedom Center Leader course, we work specifically with people on self-worth. One of the things that I like to ask people is on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the highest, how would you rate your level of self-worth and why? This is the question we like to use. This isn't a scientific thing, you know, but it's just on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your self-worth and why? For those who are listening right now, I'd invite you to think about where you rate yourself and why. And this has been a very interesting question, Kevin, to ask people all over the world, (laughs) all over the world. And in the early days when I started, I do a lot of speaking all over the world. And I was giving a speech for a room of around 100 CEOs. And I asked them this question. So first time I'd asked it publicly. Okay, I want you guys to think for a minute. We talked about what self-worth is which is as simple as just loving who you are. And I said, all right, scale of one to 10, where do you rate your level of self-worth and why? 
and they all kind of wrote it down. And I said, all right, you know, I like to say, close your eyes. Cause I don't want anyone to feel put on the spot. And I said, raise your hand. If you gave yourself an eight or higher, cause I kind of consider eight or higher is kind of the high self-worth zone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, not scientific, just my little method, but seems to work. So of those hundred CEOs in the room, can you believe it, Kevin? Only three raised their hand with an eight or higher. Three people. I know. Where were you at in the world at that moment? I was in the Midwest. I was in the Midwest, but they're from all over. Okay. Yeah. And so only three gave themselves. Now I've done this Mm. many places all over the world now. Right. And this is the pattern I typically see. It's it's very small number, give themselves an eight or higher. And then what gets really interesting is asking and why, right? Uh, Yeah. I want to hear this. Yeah. Because, okay. What are the things? that you hear. I know you don't hear the theme when you're in the group of a hundred, but you know, in smaller group conversation or one-on-one, are there some usual responses? I'm usually blown away. I'm still pretty blown away by the answers people come up with because, okay, when you have high self-worth, so when you say, where's your self-worth and why ultimately where should self-worth come from internal or external, right? It should come internally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So if our self worth is derived from anything external that can be overturned. You know, if you're like, I feel great about who I am because I have a great house. Well, drive a great car or have a trophy wife or whatever it may be that can be taken from you. And, or conversely, if you're like, I have low self-worth because I don't have all of these external things. Well, that's not where self-worth comes from. Self-worth has to come from within, you know, and maybe for you, If you're listening and you don't feel a relationship or connection with God, that's fine. It doesn't mean that's going to keep you from having high self-worth. You just have to find your reason within Mm -hmm. of where your self-worth comes from. But yeah, I hear all kinds of answers, you know, and I remember talking with one CEO and I thought his self-worth would be at least an eight. And he surprised me. He said, well, I give myself about a six in self-worth and he's done a lot of deep work on himself and everything. And I said, well, why a six? And he said, well, until we hire a new COO, I just don't feel that high in my worth. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, and people, is there so many things that your heart goes out to folks that they don't feel worthy because maybe they went through a divorce. And so they're recovering from that, or they've had some trauma happen in their lives or had hit some rough patches or had some hard things happen. But those things, they impact us and they shape us, but they don't ultimately impact our worth. And so I was recently in Romania speaking and I was working with business leaders, but one of the business leaders asked me to go speak at the international school in Bucharest, Romania to the high school students. Mm. And I said, sure, I'll I'll come and speak to them. You know, it's going to be a tough crowd, but okay. (laughs) You know, a bunch of high school students. So I went to this international school and it was about 200 high school students from Romania in the theater space. And I was talking with them and talking about handling fear, which is something else we talk about at World Blue and these ideas. And I was working my way into the self-worth conversation and they, you know, half of them were listening, half of them weren't, you know, kind of thing. And finally I get to this question and I said, all right, I had worksheets and I said, I'd like you to give yourself on a one to 10, where do you rate your self-worth and why? So they all did that. And then I did the quick poll to see where hands were. And of course it was from one to a couple were at a 10 or whatever, but most of them were five, six, seven, you know, kind of range. And they started to listen a little bit better. And 
as we were talking about all this, does it come from internal, external, or whatever it may be? And I explained all that to them. I finally got them to a place where they were really listening. And I said, you know, there's something I want to tell each and every one of you. I said, the bottom line is each and every one of you is really a 10. You're really a perfect 10. You may have forgotten that. I'm here to remind you of it today, but you are a 10. And you could have heard a pin drop, Kevin. You could have heard a pin drop because how many of us here, guess what? You're actually a 10. You're actually a 10. Now, some people, oh, who are listening may think, oh, they may be recoiling at me saying this. I'm not a 10, or that sounds so arrogant, or that means I don't, you know, I'm perfect and I don't have to improve. Absolutely not. They're two different things. We're always working to improve, we're always getting better and better. This isn't a measure if you're perfect or not. This is a measure of your worth. And your worth is inviolate and unchanging. It doesn't have to be earned. It just is. It's baked into who you are. And the more that we understand our worth, what I find some of the characteristics of high self-worth people is that they're naturally joyous. They're humble. They're very interested in helping to lift other people up. They're pretty consistent, not moody. They have a deep sense of purpose. And you know, I could give you a whole list of qualities, but high self-worth people are not drama queens. <laughs> they usually have an anti-drama policy in their life. They're just consistent, steady, loving, kind people. They love seeing other people succeed. They take feedback well. They don't take feedback personally or as a personal attack. So that's what we're going for. And the reality is we are all tens right now. Doesn't mean you're not still improving. It's not arrogant to own your worth. To me, it's actually quite arrogant to not own our worth and the fact that we are a 10. Okay, let me ask, since you've had this realization that most people have had struggles with getting to the acceptance that they're a 10, have you developed any hypotheses why that is? Yeah, I think it comes back to identity. Okay. You know, it's understanding our identity. And I mean, really, I can only speak from my own sense of how I work this out, which is knowing who I am and whose I am. And knowing that we are here to give, to serve, to bless, to be a blessing. We have a purpose. And this is something, you know, Kevin, you and I were talking about before this correlation between self-worth and purpose. Now, I was very, very blessed in my mid-20s I met a wonderful mentor and I went through his leadership course. This is as I was just getting going and he helped me find my purpose statement for my life. And I wrote a one sentence purpose statement. Can I share that purpose with you? I'd love it. All right. So my purpose is to be the pure light of love, inspiring us to live lives of freedom rather than fear. Wow. That's my purpose, right? So I get to express my purpose as the founder of World Blue, but I also get to do it as an aunt, as a church member, as a friend, as a family member, as a sister, as a daughter, as a neighbor. So your purpose is your reason for being. A purpose is different than a mission, right? A mission is what we do, and that can change through life. But your purpose is your reason for being. And in our Freedom Center Leader course at World Blue, we actually help teach leaders 
help leaders remember, let's say rather, their purpose for their life. And so it's an incredible thing because when you understand your purpose and then you go live it and you understand your worth, right? Those are two reinforcing parts of kind of a Venn diagram, right? That help reinforce each other. I think the more you understand your purpose and are living it, that really helps also increase your understanding and sense of worth. Okay. So you discovered your purpose in your twenties. Well, I think I knew a lot earlier than that. I have to say, I just was able to articulate it then. Yep. Mm -hmm. And to what degree has it, your clarity or expression of it changed any in that time? Or, you know, is it refined different (laughs) words? Are you still pretty much, is that the way you got it then? Yeah, that's it. You know, I think maybe I've changed a word or two, yeah. but the core essence of it being about freedom rather than yeah. fear has remained the same. And when we help coach people to remember what their purpose is in life, I love working on this with individuals because there's this really cool moment where it crystallizes and every word for them has to deeply, deeply resonate. We go through a whole process that really takes people deep and gets to the core gold in each of them. But there's this really neat moment where you see people and they have this feeling of both complete exhilaration. Like, yes, this is my purpose. Wow. This is it. And total terror of like, oh my gosh, like, can I do this? Like, Is this really it? And then the joy and the energy and the peace and the just activation that comes with knowing your purpose and knowing who you are and what you're here to do. And I just think this is the most powerful thing in the world. It mixes together. I think we have an epidemic of low self-worth in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think one step towards understanding that is knowing your identity and knowing your purpose, knowing what you're here to do. I'm a very proud auntie. I have two nephews and a niece. And about four years ago, when my niece was seven and my two nephews were nine and 11, I decided I was going to sit one-on-one with them the same way I coach adults and help them come up with their one sense purpose statement. And I had never done this with children before, (laughs) (laughs) but can you imagine? So if you are a young person or an adult and you know what your purpose is, but imagine being a young person and you know what your purpose is for your life. Mm. When you know that deep down, are you going to go engage in substance abuse? Are you going to want to commit suicide? Are you going to become a bully that puts other people down? You know, are you going to, I mean, no, right. When you know that purpose, you know who you are and what you are here to do. I mean, to me, that is like the biggest gift we could give our children. So I sat down one-on-one with each one of them. And I will tell you, I wish I'd recorded these conversations. They were absolutely off the charts amazing. And I remember this moment sitting with my nine-year-old nephew, Tyler. And you know, there's a series of questions that we ask adults when we're going through this process. But I decided with Tyler, I just sat down and I said, okay, Tyler, why do you think you're here? Why do you think God made you? What's your purpose? And he starts thinking and thinking and kind of looking around and thinking and thinking, and I'm just holding the space to let it unfold. And he looks at me, he goes, Aunt Tracy, empathy. Hmm. And I go, empathy, nine years old. I go, empathy. I go, do you know what that word means? I'm thinking, (laughs) I just figured out that word like in my mid thirties, you know? And he's like, yeah, empathy. He goes, I am here to help people. And how can I do that without empathy? My purpose is empathy. Wow. I was blown away. So we of course crafted that into a one sentence purpose statement for him. 
And with all three children, I took their purpose statements and I framed them individually for them and gave them to them for Christmas. And they all have their purpose statements in their bedroom. Wow. And, you know, I talk about that and I refer back to their purpose statement and their, their mom does and my mom, their grandma and their, you know, everyone does as well. You know, you are here, you have purpose, you have meaning, you are important. Do you have worth? We talk about all these things with them all the time. And these are three really amazing children, as you can imagine. Is that one now that nephew? Tyler is now 11. So this was two years ago. Yeah. He's now 11. So it was nine when we did that. No, he's 12. I'm sorry. He's 12. So it was nine when we did that. Yes. Yep. What impact have you seen that have in his life? It's an anchor. Yeah. And you see kids in today's world is so, oh my gosh. Right. I mean, it's just with the, mm-hmm. the video games and social media and the bullying and all the things that can go on. And with these kids, the message we're constantly telling them in our family is you are a leader, you have a purpose, you have worth. And that's something I talk with them about a lot. Like when they say, you know, this happened at school or this, that happened. I don't want to like him or her because of this and this. When I'm around them, what I say is, all right, let's take a step back. Where do you think their sense of self-worth is? So I also take it back to worth. On a one to 10, where do you think their worth is? Because I want them to start to realize this. And they might say, oh, they're probably two or three. Okay. So does that mean you hate them? Or does that mean they need more love? Hmm. They need more love. Okay. Now you're going to be smart about it. You don't need to you know, engage with someone who's really not nice or something. But I find as an adult, right, nine out of 10 people are struggling with their sense of self-worth. Yes. You can see it in their eyes. I can yeah. see when I meet somebody within a minute, I can see where their self-worth is. And, you know, you can get judgmental about that or whatever. That's not the path we want to go on. It's a cry for love. And I think that's what more and more people need to know is how incredibly valuable and how incredibly loved they are. I remember a very dear friend of mine is a quantum physicist for NASA. And I once heard him give this speech and he said, you know, it was all about self-worth. Can you imagine a quantum physicist on self-worth? It was amazing. And one of the things he said that stuck in my mind was, if you think about all the numbers, you know, there's infinite number of numbers in the world and a 12 is a bigger number than a seven, but they both have the same value because if you were to remove all the sevens, (laughs) all of math would collapse, right? Right. You literally cannot have math. You cannot have this system function if you took out all the sevens, Mm -hmm. even though a 12 is bigger than a seven or a million is bigger than a seven or a billion or, you know, and that's how I think we have to think of ourselves. Each and every one of us is incredibly valuable and we help complete the purpose of the universe. So it's knowing that value. It's listening to the still small voice that tells each and every one of us what our purpose is. Because I think deep down, we all know it's where often we're scared of that purpose. We don't want to live it. We don't know what that's going to mean for, you know, will I have enough money to survive or will this mean I have to like, you know, leave my family or leave my comfort zone or whatever. But that still small voice is guiding and stirring each and every one of us because we're meant to know our purpose and we're meant to know our worth and we're meant to use it to help others, I believe. Okay, so I've got to give a small shout out here because it's really Gary Turner that was the conduit to my connecting with Miranda Ash, your friend and chief of Community Forward. Yeah, my colleague, yeah. Mm -hmm. Are connecting in this conversation. 
Thank you, Gary and Miranda. <laughs> yeah. Gary points to that. And as a matter of fact, he posted something earlier today pointing to that moment and you're helping him yeah. identify. And I think Gary would say that was a defining moment. Absolutely. His journey was finding his purpose. The other thought that hit me as I was listening to you talk about your nieces and nephews, and I've never said this before. I don't know if I've ever heard it or read it, but purpose is probably the ultimate protective factor. Mm, Beautiful way of saying it. In you. Absolutely. We talk about all these risks, but what you just shared is that purpose is the ultimate protective factor. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. And what's so great about purpose and this interconnectedness between self-worth and purpose is when one is struggling with low self-worth thinking, where's the thought? The thought is totally focused on self, right? What do other people think of me? What if I fail? What if, you know, this, what if that? I'm not good enough. Me, 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 me. That's low self-worth thinking. It's all me focused. But when we're in high self-worth thinking, and we know what our purpose is, and we're committed to serving others, that lifts us out of those gremlin voices and everything. And it gets us focused on serving others, which is just a wonderful first step to get out of that funk. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to learn how to discipline our thinking. You know, when I'm coaching the wonderful clients we get to work with, I have them make out a list of all of the things the gremlins like to say to them. I go make a list, take your journal or whatever you like to write on. And each day when the gremlins come into your thinking, just write it down, write down what they say. And I go do it for a week. And what they notice is it's pretty much the same five to seven phrases, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you're not good enough, you're a failure, you know, whatever it may be. It's pretty much the five, same five to seven phrases. It's the same patterns. And what I say is if you were in your home and someone were trying to break into your home to hurt you, are you going to, you know, throw the door open wide and say, yeah, come on in and, you know, stab me, (laughs) shoot me or hurt me? Of course not. You're going to lock that door. You're going to turn the deadbolt. You're going to put a chair under the doorknob, put a couch, you know, I mean, you're going to do everything you can to keep yourself safe. And yet mentally, Mm. that's what happens, right? The gremlins come knock, knock, knock at your door. And we fly that, we fling that door open rather (laughs) and are like, Hey, come on in, pull up a chair, tell me your story, (laughs) you know? And so we have to stand Porter at the door of thought. And when those gremlins come knocking, we need to shut that door and deadbolt it and say, you don't get an inch. You don't get a millimeter of my mental space. And I will not be bullied by you. I will not be controlled by you. I will not have my power taken away from you. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And I don't have time to listen to you. So get out of here. And I encourage people to have a little mantra that they say to the gremlins, you know, when they see them coming at the door, you know, get out of here, (laughs) whatever it may be. Yeah. Or maybe it might involve some swear words. (laughs) Develop their own mantra, whatever it is that works for you. Yes. Yeah. Right. That says, no, I'm not listening to you. Get out of here. Now, some people, like Kevin, I've had some people say to me, yeah, but the gremlins, you know, help me be better. The gremlins <laughs> kick my butt, help me get better. No, 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 no. Yeah, explain that one to no, me. No, 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 You do not have to have mm-hmm. a gremlin telling you you suck to get better. <laughs> you know, 
the way that we get better is by living our purpose. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're not self-reflective. You know, I'm reflecting every day. Okay. You know, what can I improve? What can I do better? Da da da. But I don't need some negative voice telling me that I'm horrible and stupid and awful to be like, now I'm going to reflect and get better. Give me a break. Right. Because all of that ultimately comes down to fear. That's all fear-based. It's all fear-based. Yeah. And yeah. we know the brain research tells us that when we're in fear, the peripheries of our brain shut down. We become myopic. We literally become dumber. So all those gremlin voices are coming from fear, the fear of not being good enough, the fear of what other people will think, all of that. So ultimately it's learning to become aware of how much fear is driving our thinking and closing the door on it and choosing instead to be motivated by purpose rather than fear. Because when you're coming from purpose, that is a completely different energy a completely different way to be motivated. And we hear people saying going through their day, I'm so tired and I just need to like drink more coffee and I need more caffeine and I need more. (laughs) No, no, you don't. (laughs) You need to change your thinking and affirm your value and worth and live your purpose and live your purpose. And that comes with such a beautiful, natural energy to it. Okay. So I just heard three steps, maybe not steps, but Mm -hmm. change your thinking affirm your worth, live your purpose. Absolutely. And I think we change our thinking, you know, people can say, Oh, that's so hard. How do you change your thinking? Um, I change my mind like a million times a day on things, you know? <laughs> so it's, you know, do I want a latte or a mocha, you know, change your thinking. Right. And so we have to become aware of our thought. First of all, I was going to say, that's the yeah. first step is being, yeah. Aware, right? yeah, absolutely. Because again, most of the time we are being controlled by those gremlins of fear. And so when I talk with people about this, often people don't realize, you know, the root of everything is fear. People say, I have stress or I have anxiety. I don't have enough time. You know, I have this and that. I don't feel well, da, da, da. You unpack all of that. It's all driven by fear. Right. It's a four letter F word. It's fear. And so when you start to notice, and we have a whole five-step process we teach at World Blue called the power question practice that helps us realize how much fear is controlling us. So most people don't even realize that. So when you see it's actually fear at the root of it, you can say, okay, well, we teach the power question. What would you do if you weren't afraid? How would you handle it? How would you handle the situation? How would you think about yourself? What step would you take if you weren't afraid, if you weren't listening to those gremlins, if you did know your worth? right? And that's where you can help change. That's that help shift that change of thinking. And then exactly to the other points, then you go on from there. Wow. Wow. So Tracy, you've hit so many things that I was hoping you would hit. And that was, you know, really just talking to people that are in that, whose self-worth is in jeopardy at the moment. Yeah. That for whatever reason, they are believing the lie and the truth is buried from them or eluding them at some point. So I love this. I mean, there's so many practical things here. Is there anything else that you'd say getting started? If somebody's really in the pit, which I know, I mean, I know from encounters I have with people, there are people who are in pits of despair, mm-hmm. despondency, even depression. Mm-hmm. Any first step? For someone that it's a dark day today, as they're listening to this, what's the first step you'd encourage them to take? 
I remember many years ago, I was living in Washington, DC. And one day I was sitting at my desk in my office and I happened to look up at the moment when a, a city bus went by. And back in those days, the city buses in DC had huge ads on the side of the buses. Uh-huh. And on this particular day, the bus goes by, I look up and I see this huge ad on the side of the bus and it was for Citibank. So you, I saw the Citibank logo in the corner, in the right corner. The background of the ad was just white and in giant black letters, it said, you were born pre-approved. <laughs> you were born pre-approved. Beautiful spiritual message by Citibank, right? And so for those who might be really struggling, mm. I want to tell you, you were born pre-approved. <laughs> You're already a 10. And the first step is to just open your heart a little bit to that truth. And what I like to say to people is, okay, on the one to 10 scale, let's say you gave yourself a four. What would it take to go to a five? Yeah. What has to shift to go to a five? You know? And sometimes I had a dear friend I asked this to. She was at my house for dinner one night and we were talking about this. And I said, okay, you gave yourself a four. What has to happen to go to a five? And she kind of looked at me and goes, oh my gosh, nothing. That four is kind of arbitrary, isn't it? And I go, yeah, it is. <laughs> and maybe you have something coming to your mind. And so if you're listening, I want you to think about, is that an internal or external thing where you're pulling your worth from, mm-hmm. right? And then go, okay, well, what's it going to take to go from a five to a six? And just start unpacking that. Just start unpacking that. And the other thing I love to invite people to do is, okay, when you stop listening to this podcast, what if you decided to live the rest of your day thinking and acting like a 10. What would that feel like? What would that be like? Why don't you run the experiment for 24 hours? Just be a 10 for the next 24 hours. You don't have to do it after that if you don't want to, (laughs) but just go be a 10 for a day. How would you think differently? How would you engage with people differently? How would you support others differently? How much more joy might you have if you showed up as a 10? And a 10 isn't arrogant. The 10 isn't boisterous. The 10 doesn't, you know, chest beat or anything like that. A 10 is a humble knowing mm. of the incredible expression of love and worth that each and every one of us inherently always has been and always will be. So those are some steps to know you're born pre-approved. Go ahead. Think about what's it going to take to go from wherever you gave yourself to that next level up, Accept the fact that you are a 10. Just open your heart to that. You might not be able to get there on a day. That's okay. Just open your heart and practice. Just go out and decide to live for 24 hours. Live as a 10 and see what happens. It's pretty special. Wow. Tracy, I mean, gosh, I'm just beaming, glowing, ear to ear smile. I love this. I love the idea of What I heard, maybe he got it from you, but our friend Rich Sheridan, just run the experiment. Just run the experiment. Even if it's not for the next 24 hours, what if you just went the rest of today living as a 10? Just take whatever step you can take based on where you're at at this moment, but live as a 10 for some period of time and then gradually ratchet up to where you're living there more of the time, all of the time. That's right. You got it. (laughs) Tracy, thank you so much. Two more questions. Yeah. Is there something you want to say that just 
puts a bow on this conversation. I've already told people we're having another one. We're talking about other things around this freedom-centered workplace at some point in the future. But just this idea of self-worth and that you are pre-approved, what allows you to tie the bow on this conversation? Well, I think we have to realize that pretty much the root of every problem in the world comes back to not loving ourselves. And there's a lot of dysfunctional behavior that comes with that, whether we're seeing it at a global level, global leaders and the way that they lead, you know, I can watch the news and see the level of self-worth in different leaders all over the world, regardless of how confident they may act. You can see who are the low self-worth leaders. You can see who are the high self-worth leaders. And I mean, pretty much every problem that we're dealing with has to do with where our level of self-worth is. You know, the way we engage with our children, the way we engage with our spouse, the way we engage with our dearest friends. And I really think, you know, these issues that are coming up of the gun violence, you know, here in Colorado, we just had another shooting. And what I'd love for someone to say is, let's talk about the level of self-worth in these young men. Do they know they're loved? Do they know their purpose? Do they know their value? No, they don't. I can tell you that. They don't. So if we want to change the world, we really have to begin by loving who we are, loving ourselves and helping other people learn how to love themselves. And I see, I've seen so many huge transformations in people by just accepting this. You know, you talked about Gary Turner. When we worked on this and I've worked with others, it is such a beautiful moment when you see someone click in and go, no, wait a second. I am a 10. I am a 10, regardless of what my mother or father said to me by growing up, regardless of what that teacher said to me, I never amount to anything, regardless of the gremlin voices and what they've been saying, I'm going to go drop kick them and slam them out of this room, right? That moment when an individual realizes they are a 10 and they're willing to go let their light shine, and then they're going to help lift other people up to see that they really are a 10 as well. That's what this is about. And I would love to see a movement of people all over the world taking that stand for the self-worth in each and every one of us, because that's when we really start to live lives of freedom rather than fear. Mm. And that's when I think we're going to see so many problems from Mm. the opioid crisis to illness and disease to drama and war and all these things. They're going to go away. They're going to go away as we know that we are loved. We are here to love. We are meant to be loved. That's what it's really about. Yes, it is. And Tracy, just as I was listening to you then, a question was answered for me about you and your work. And that was why the leader needs to be an eight, nine, or 10, eight or higher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what did you see? <laughs> what did you see is why, yeah. Once they are, they are committed to everyone else in their organization being there too. You got it. That's exactly it. And if they're not, then they wanting to make sure everybody else is at a lower level than them. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly it. So when we do culture transformation work, yeah. when we talk with companies to interview to see if they're the right fit, we talk with the CEO and we ask the CEO point blank, that question on a one to 10, where is your self-worth? And, you know, and I can usually tell, or my colleagues can tell in talking with them. So we can, you know, we can assess here, but if they're not an eight or higher, we'll still work with them if they're willing to own 
right. where their self-worth is and are willing to work on it, like genuinely work on it. But if they're not, then we walk away from that client because no matter what we do, it's not going to move the needle. Right. And that's a very sad thing because sometimes, you know, you desperately want to help out a company. We'll still do our leadership work with anyone within the company, but right. when it's the culture work, we just can't move the needle. We cannot take a company to a freedom center culture mm. if that CEO is not secure in their sense of self-worth. Yeah. I guess if we were an ethical, we could and be like, yeah, we'll take your money, but we're not. <laughs> because they will so. tank it, maybe even unknowingly, but... Yeah, it is. It's a subtle sabotage that happens. And it's very frustrating to the employees who want to be in that kind of environment, many who might be tens, but can't go any higher. So, and that's what I'm telling you that solving our workplace problems or, or, you know, different problems, whether you're, you know, at work or culture problems in your home or whatever they may be, it isn't like, hey, let's go do a trust building activity, you know, and we need to have a more engagement. We got to handle the root stuff. Yeah. And the root stuff always comes back to handling the gremlins of fear and knowing that we are loved. And when you know you're loved, you're not trying to go and engage in all this dysfunctional behavior to get love or to take love from someone else. You're just being love. And that's what is so incredibly powerful. And when we get to work with wonderful companies, like you brought up my dear friend, Rich Sheridan, CEO of Menlo Innovations, high self-worth person. Wow. Look at the company he's built with Menlo, which is a world blue certified freedom center culture. We certify the most freedom center cultures in the world. And those leaders who have had the privilege of working with for so many years now are incredible, humble, high self-worth people who have built phenomenal workplace environments that people love. That's true leadership in my book. It is. It is. And the folks that you and I know in common and then others that we know separately. But I do know that for a fact. Rich Sheridan, Gary Ridge, mm-hmm. folks are incredibly brilliant people, incredibly intelligent, but so incredibly humble at the That's same time. Right. Right? That's right. And you're not going to mess with them. I mean, they're strong, clear thinkers. I mean, no. high self-worth doesn't mean you're a pushover, Yeah, you know? What's neat about high self-worth people is you can't manipulate them. Hmm. You know, you can't. (laughs) They're very clear. I know there are people that are listening that want to learn more. So where do we point them? Where do they go? And talk about your podcast as well, because people listening to this listen to podcasts. Tracy has a phenomenal podcast, but... So share whatever you want to share about how people get in touch with you. Oh, thanks, Kevin. Well, yes, I do have a podcast called Freedom at Work. It's a pretty new podcast, but we've got some incredible episodes up talking with world-class, world-blue CEOs all about self-worth and running freedom-centered companies and cultures. So I do have that. I invite your listeners to go to our website, which is worldblue, no E on blue.com. The reason we're called world blue is that blue is universally recognized as the color of freedom. And our vision, as I said before, is to see 1 billion people living, leading, and working in freedom around the world. So that's why our name is world blue. And specifically, If you're interested in working on your sense of self-worth, if you want to find out what your purpose and vision is for your life and a whole bunch of other goodness, we have a phenomenal 12-week leadership course called our Freedom Centered Leader Course. If you go to our website and click on our leadership course, you can read all about it. The course starts on the first day of every month. 
We would love to talk with you about it. So feel free to just reach out to us through the website and we can talk about if it's a right fit for you. All right, Tracy, thank you so much. This has been a delightful conversation and I I know that it is lighting the way for many of you listening to Freedom. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. What a privilege. Thank you. Oh my gosh, folks, I am in such a state of overflow at this moment. There are just so many amazing thoughts stirring in my mind, and I'm wondering, I'm really wondering what's lingering in your mind, and I may share a few more than I usually do. I try to limit it to just three. You know, one of the things that just hit me, that hit me so profoundly is that purpose is Purpose really is the ultimate protective factor. If you have young people, if you're a parent of young people and you're wondering how to keep them on the right path, help them connect to their purpose. And identity is an anchor. There are just so many rich things, but I love this little triplet that Tracy shares. You are a leader. You have purpose and you have worth. And then if there's somebody in your life that's really getting under your skin and is annoying you at this moment, the question is, do you hate them or do they just need a little more love? And could you be the person that becomes the conduit of that love? And unless you're one of the rare breed like Tracy is, that's never struggled with those negative voices of self-talk in your life, I love this other triplet that Tracy mentioned, and that's change your thinking, affirm your worth, and live your purpose. And as we discussed, the first thing you have to do is to notice your thinking and become aware. So if there is something like that that's going on with you, I want to invite you to the challenge Tracy shared with us. Hey, what if for the rest of today, whatever time of day it is that you're listening, what if you would simply live the rest of this day as if you were a 10 on the self-worth scale. Because the truth of the matter is, you are a 10, and it has nothing to do with what you've done, good or bad, the contribution you make. You're a 10 because you are made to be a 10. So I invite you to live the rest of this day, and then as a 10, And then expand it to 24 hours. Take the 24-hour challenge and live as a 10. Well, you know, I'd love to hear what's rolling through your mind. I believe this conversation that I had with Tracy is going to stir a lot of conversations. If you want to have one of those with me, reach out. You know how to reach me, Kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com or 678-744-5111. Until we connect again, I want to invite you to live, love, and lead with purpose and live full of the self-worth you possess. Do you have a high stakes initiative that is stuck, stalled out or stymied and you're not sure what to do now and how to forge a path forward? The situation is not as grim as you think it is. We can help. Contact Kevin to explore how a winning conversation may be exactly what you need to break the gridlock, unite your team and purpose, and accelerate traction. Call 678-744-5111 or email kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com.